We're visiting storyteller and scholar Oral Anahori Lieberwitz at her home in Montreal, and she's giving us a tour of her enormous book collection. <laughs> and now let's go to the den. It's very messy, but I'll take you there. <laughs> Oro is the story save teller for 2022, and her extraordinary library, spanning multiple rooms and overflowing to her basement, puts her origins and her passions on full display. This is kind of chaotic, but this is where we work. Um, you see in the top shelf, there's a mixture of books by Spanish authors, and by classic French novelists of the 19th century, Balzac, Flaubert. A multilingual uh, artist who has lived and studied around the world, Oro's life began in a quiet town in northern Morocco. She was raised in a traditional Sephardic Jewish family, descendants of Spanish Jews, expelled from Spain in the 15th century. Okay. Here I have on the top shelf mostly books about uh, Jews in Muslim uh, lands and Jews in This Spain. Jewish experience of exile kept reappearing in Oro's life and in her work. And so she decided to explore it more deeply in her Story Save album, Naître est un miracle. Being born is a miracle. In this episode of the Story Save podcast, we talk to Oro about exile and memory and how stories reconnect us with our past and with ourselves. Oro's Story Save album is bilingual in English and French, but throughout those stories, she has sprinkled in a few other languages. That's because Oro grew up in the unique cultural trifecta of northern Morocco. I was born in the city of Tetuan, in the northern tip of Morocco. We have three cultures living side by side, three communities. There were the Muslim Arabs, the Christian Spaniards, and the Jewish Moroccans. And um, it was a sort of mirror of uh, medieval Spain where also the three cultures lived uh, side by side. There were many languages spoken in the area, primarily Arabic and Spanish, but the Jews spoke a unique language of their own. The Jews who settled in Morocco after the expulsion of Jews from Spain in 1492, they kept their Spanish language and customs so that we spoke a sort of archaic form of Spanish, uh, enriched with... Uh, Hebrew and Arabic words called haketia. And we also kept in the north customs uh, uh, from Spain. And mostly we had a whole repertoire of songs. There are so many ballads. On top of having this tradition of ancient balladry and a rich mixture of languages and customs, Oro and the other children of Tetuan were educated in the French Alliance schools. They learned French history and literature, and French became their second mother tongue. I mean, we were immersed, totally immersed in French culture. But besides that, we had uh, Hebrew instruction and, uh, you know, Jewish history and all that, and some Arabic as well, because we were uh, in Morocco. But despite this unique cultural upbringing, Oro felt, well, unsatisfied. 
And I found my town so boring. It was a very provincial town, conservative. Uh, girls were not supposed to pursue a career. And uh, they were expected to be mothers, to raise a family. And that was not my goal. I was the, the opposite, the total opposite. Uh, since I was uh, maybe pre-teenager, I wanted to study. I loved studying. I, I didn't like when it was vacation time because I was bored. The, the French library closed for one month and that was, wow, that was really uh, a, a trial. I didn't have that feeling of nostalgia, you know? Nostalgia was not for me because I didn't want to be in my hometown. It's, it's a little ungrateful maybe to say that, but I, my dream was to leave, to leave and, and study and be free as a girl, as a woman, be educated. This longing to broaden her horizons led to Oro's first experience with her own kind of exile. For her last year of high school, Aura was thrilled to be able to go to Paris to study at a French boarding school. She stayed on and did her undergraduate degree at the University of Paris, and then she left to continue her studies at Columbia University in New York City. So my exile, it was a sort of self-imposed exile, like I wanted to go. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, but also very, how would I say, it was such a shock, New York. Paris, I knew already because I was brought up in a French school, but New York was altogether an uprooting, total uprooting. And um, I must say that um, I had this sense of a big split between cultures. Um, you know, I was uh, juggling different languages, cultures, uh, Spanish. I was studying Spanish literature, actually. So between uh, uh, Spain, France, being Jewish, now in New York, North America, it was a, I would I say, it was a difficult experience. It was really a, a trial because North American culture, I mean, American culture is so distant from what I had known. As far away as Paris and her home felt, Oro's time at Columbia ended up reconnecting her to her past in a way she never would have expected. I was very, very fortunate because in my first semester there, there was a professor who was uh, a visiting professor. He was the world authority in uh, Judeo-Spanish ballads and all of Spanish balladry. Now, when he saw my name, right away he knew that I must be of Sephardic origin. So during the break, I remember so vividly, he said, are you from Tetuan or Tangier? Like, okay, how? Years previously, when Aura was only a little girl, this professor had been in her hometown of Tetuan collecting Spanish ballads, those songs that were specific to the Sephardic Jews of northern Morocco. 
It was an extraordinary coincidence. What he did was unbelievable. He changed my whole life. He said, you know what? You should choose as your dissertation topic the Judeo-Spanish ballads. You should go and record those ballads from the informants. Usually, at that time already, there were pretty old women, like 60 plus and so that they are not lost because with the dispersion of the Jewish communities from Arab lands, those songs are going to be lost forever. And so Oro got to work recording songs with Sephardic Jews living all over the world. There were historical songs, epics, and many paraliturgical Jewish songs. And there are many songs telling love stories, let's say uh, faithful love, or on the contrary, unfaithful love. The wife who would wait for her husband to return from the wars for seven years, and she's ready to wait for another seven years. And uh, that's a very popular song called um, La Vuelta del Marido. And it's, uh, it goes like, Escuchi, señor soldado, si de las guerras venís, de las guerras, mi señora, de las guerras del inglés. So this is the wife who sees a soldier coming from the wars, and she asks him whether he has seen uh, her husband. And he says, well, describe your husband. And she describes him as handsome and this and that. And he says, oh, but that soldier, unfortunately, he died in the war. And he actually said in his will that I should marry his wife. And she says, Oh, no way, no way. I am going to wait for my husband seven more years because I feel that he's still alive. And then these soldiers was none other than her own husband who was testing his wife, imagine. <laughs> so most of them, as I said, about 80% were secular songs, you know, that belong to both cultures. But they were all songs that had traveled across nations, through different empires, over hundreds of years, and it's still been kept alive. When the Jews were expelled from Spain, those songs that, that, that were mostly secular, okay, belonged to their own culture as Spaniards. So they took them with them and they kept them. I think it was a sign of their identity of their Spanish identity, which they wanted to keep in a very strong way. Jews are not only defined by their religious beliefs, but let's say a Canadian Jew has the Canadian culture as his own culture. The Spanish Jews had their Spanish culture. Now, what is really phenomenal is the persistence the will that they had to preserve those songs. I, I was very taken by this uh, will of passing on from generation to generation, passing on these songs. Uh, it was usually uh, mother to daughter 
you know, on, on the feminine line. The paraliturgical songs were mostly sung by men, but these secular songs were sung by women. And it, it, it became, I was fascinated by, by this intergenerational transmission. And from then I developed a, a sort of passion for oral tradition. Oro collected recordings of around 450 Judeo-Spanish songs, but for her, that wasn't enough. After my doctoral thesis was published, I thought, oh, no, 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 I don't want my songs to sit there on library shelves in some uh, uh, university. I want them to be known. So I founded this um, musical ensemble, we were four of us, to uh, make those songs known. And uh, the name of the group is Gerineldo, and for more than 15 years, we toured, like uh, we sang in Canada, throughout Canada, in the United States, uh, New York, Florida, Minnesota. Uh, then we went to Venezuela, we went to Israel, we went to Spain. So uh, in that respect, I think I, I brought some contribution to, for those songs to be known. Y si no te las entregare, castigarle quiero yo, con diez plagas que le mande, pa que sepa quién soy yo. Odula doshem kitov, kile olam hasdo. Alabado sea su nombre, del que siempre bien mos dio. Back in Oro's library, we come upon another important part of her collection. And then here there are books about theater, the, the art of acting and all that. And See this picture here is when I did my show uh, at, uh, at the university. I always had this passion for theater as well. When I was a very little girl, I liked to perform, like to tell poems and, um, and all that. And uh, I kept it in the back of my mind, but, but it was a, a passion of mine. In the early 90s, Ora decided to explore this latent fascination she had. She took some time off from her work as a professor and completed a master's degree in theatre. It turned out to be another life-changing decision. The theme of my thesis was, can storytelling be an art form in our times? You know, in our times when we are bombarded by, uh, you know, the image, there is TV, the internet, and all that. And um, I illustrated it with a full show of Jewish stories, how storytelling is a compelling art, even in our time. When it came time to perform this part of her thesis, 
Aura realized that storytelling was an amalgam of her passions. For me, what happened was that my passion for theater and for the oral tradition was crystallized in storytelling because I think it, they, they meet there. There is a meeting point. The show ran five nights and the last night there was Marc Laberge in the audience. Marc Laberge was the founder of the Intercultural Storytelling Festival of Quebec. He came to meet me after the show and he said, uh, look, I, uh, I'm interested in your stories, the way you tell them. Uh, would you like to participate in a festival? I didn't know that there were festivals, storytelling festivals in Montreal. This festival that I, yeah, sure, sure, I'm interested. So Marc Laberge was really, was instrumental in this, you know. So uh, this is how I came to storytelling, you see, in my midlife. <laughs> Since that thesis performance on storytelling in 1994, Oro has told stories on stages around the world and continues to create new work. So what is it about the storytelling experience that has captivated her all these years? You see, I had the feeling when I started telling stories that time stopped, that this ongoing noise that we have in our lives, in our brains, you know, would fade out. That I entered a sort of sacred space where I invited the listeners to join me. And I had this exhilarating feeling of sharing, you know, establishing a link with the listeners. And I, I would add that storytelling brought to me a sense of wholeness, you see? The, the wholeness of sharing my culture with strangers, because you are telling traditional stories, you are transmitting those stories in a way. And this feeling of being a link in the chain of transmission is also very powerful for me. With her Story Save album, being born is a miracle of memory and exile, Oro has created a wondrous way to share her culture. And with her use of language and different characters like the folk character Nasruddin, it also links the cultures that have shaped her. So Nasruddin um, is in North Africa, he's called Joha or Sha. He's not called Nasruddin. But, but we know that it's the same character, okay? Nasruddin is in Egypt, in um, the Middle East, he's Nasruddin in Turkey. So he's a trickster. And um, we have this folk figure in, in all folk cultures. There is Jack in the Appalachian Tales, there is Tijan in French Canada, uh, and there is Joha or Joha. He's a paradoxical kind of character because he appears as the fool always, no? You know, the, the one who is so ignorant, he's illiterate, he, 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 
it doesn't make sense, but he's very smart, in fact, and uh, he always outwits his opponents, you see? And the way I see Joha or Sha as a character that unites, in a way, um, all three cultures in Morocco, or who is a link, a bridge between them all, is because the character of Joha is known by Arabs, by Berbers, and Jews. I found that, you know, he's a, a character that builds bridges because it's very human to laugh. And to laugh together at the same things is very powerful, you know? To be able to understand humor in the same way. On Naître est une miracle, being born is a miracle, stories bridge cultures, and they also explore what it is to be estranged from one's homeland while finding new ways to return to it. I start actually the album by a quote from the Baal Shem Tov that says, forgetfulness leads to exile, while memory is the secret of redemption. In my youth, I was juggling between different cultures, the Spanish culture, and then my, my French education and my Jewish background, my Jewish essence, in fact. I was like split a little bit between <laughs> all those poles. And when you choose to tell stories, first you have to choose your repertoire. So you choose a story because that story means something to you. Not only that you like it, but you have a need to tell that story. Now, every time I felt such need, I would do a sort of soul search. Why does this story appeal to me in such a strong way? And then that soul search helped me to redefine myself, to see who I really was, what my goals were, you see? So that from that fragmentation of living in different countries, being exposed to different cultures and all that, from that fragmentation, I arrived to a wholeness through the stories. You can find Oro and Ahori Lieberwitz's album, Naître est une miracle, being Born is a Miracle on the website of Storytellers of Canada, Contour du Canada, in the Story Save section. Since 2002, Story Save has been recording and sharing the work of Canada's master storytellers. The program is supported by Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. This episode was produced by Marion Gruner with editorial support from the Story Save Committee. Technical production is by Amanda Klang. Music is by Airtone and John Luke Heffernan. Oro's album and this podcast were produced with the support of the Conseil des Arts et des Lettres du Québec and the Canada Arts Council. I'm Selena Eisenberg and thanks for listening.
You've been listening to Balado, the Story Save podcast. You can find us on Google Podcasts and anywhere else you might get your podcasts. And while you're there, subscribe so you never miss a new episode.